Hey, New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thanks for listening in. The heart of our church is that you would know Jesus, that you would walk with Jesus, and you would learn how to live like he lived. We hope that this message equips you and empowers you on your journey walking with Jesus. We're in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 25. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this morning. We ask that you just uh, bless this time, that you would uh, just be with us and show us what you want us to be like more and more. And we're just so thankful that we get to spend time together. And we just ask that you bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, you guys. Well, have a seat. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Kind of a rowdy, rowdy start to the service, right? I felt good. Um, well, good morning. My name is Marius. I'm the so-called German sensation. So I want to start off with tempering the expectations already. So just uh, it's, it's not that sensational when I'm up here. Um, but... Um, for those of you, I know we have a few new people that haven't got a chance to meet yet. My name is Marius. That's my wife, Jess, down here. Give him a wave. There you go. That's Jess. That's my wife. Um, and uh, we've been out a little bit. We just uh, had the blessing of having our second child, our baby boy, Augustine. So, uh, yes, we're, we're very thankful, very tired. But uh, um, you'll be seeing us more around uh, from here on out. Um, but I want to ask you a question. Raise your hand if you're ready for spring break to be over. Who's ready for spring to be over? Let's see. <laughs> the parents, they're yelling too fast enough, guys. Come on, go slower. Uh, raise your hand if you didn't even know it was spring break last week. Anybody? <laughs> like, I was like, what are you talking about? Exactly. I realized I was like, people with no kids, we don't have no clue what spring break even is. It's just a regular week for y'all. So uh, good job of making the regular week work. The rest of y'all, y'all survive spring break. Um, well, uh, I get to work at the Arkansas Dream Center downtown here, and we get to kind of impact communities around central Arkansas, and we got the pleasure of going to a spring break trip. We actually took, uh, I think, 12 um, fifth and sixth graders to see Dallas, so we went down there in a van, we packed everybody up there, drove down and showed them museums and basketball games and just the big things, and we really want to use that trip to encourage them as they enter middle school to chase after their God-given dream and to pursue big things, because a lot of times they only see Little Rock, they only see their block or their little area, but we want to show them something greater. And uh, we had a good time, but uh, that means long nights for us. We were up and uh, in the van with uh, stinky boys for myself, and uh, there's a lot of jokes about uh, poopy heads and stuff like that, so forgive me if I sound like a middle school kid today. <laughs> it might still be in me today. Uh, 
But um, if you ever have time in the afternoons, I'd love for you to come out to the Dream Center. Uh, if you have some spare time, it's uh, amazing what the team gets to do down there, impacting the next generation. So if you ever feel like you're bored and you're like, oh, I'm just too bored with things, come down and see us and hang out with us. We'll find a spot for you. Uh, but today, as we dig in, I want to show you the thesis we're working with today is God has called us to live an intentional life of mission and purpose. And the, the sermon title is Living Missionally. So we're going to talk about uh, those two things, but God has called us to live an intentional life of mission and purpose, and we're going to go through the text and figure out how that relates to us um, together. So are you guys excited? Are you good? Ready? All right. Well, it's uh, Bronson announced it, and as you can tell, I'm not from around here. I'm actually from Germany, so I know I sound a little funny at times. I, I was in New York for a little bit, and now I throw the y'alls in for you guys. So, you know, as, if I say y'all, just nod, and uh, I'll see you with me. Um, but actually, three weeks back was my 10 years in America and 10 years in full-time ministry, and uh, it, was, it was awesome, and it was kind of cool to reflect back that it's been so long already. But also, my family came to visit a few weeks to see, um, uh, see our son, Augustine, and it's almost like I became, I was, I'm an American now. I feel like I arrived. Like, uh, my parents came, and uh, they're like, were confused, looking at me, and I'm wondering, what are they doing? Why are not going faster? Why are we not, you know, having the air on? Like, what's going on with these foreigners? And, uh, and I think my family was like the other way around. They're like, what is this guy? Who is this guy? We, we raised you German. What's going on here? Um, uh, but I remember when I first moved here, I moved to New York, and it was not like that at all. I was like the opposite of that. I would um, point out everything that's bad about America and, and get into arguments about things and how, well, we solve it way better in Germany. And, and I literally have arguments to the point where people uh, would literally walk away from me physically, and I would lose influence over those until at some point this uh, girl from Arkansas told me to, uh, I don't have to be here. I can go back home. Uh, <laughs> And now she's my wife, Jess. So that's, uh, that's how we met. So we, uh, she met this German guy who was going on and on. But even though it's funny, I think I realized that I was losing influence over my rights and my opinions. And what we're talking about today is that when we want to reach people who are different from us, it requires sacrifice, a cost. It requires us to lay down our rights so that we can live out a life of love. Now, we cannot love others when we're living for our own rights. We've got to remember that we cannot love others when we're living for our own rights. I want to start off with a quote from Tim Keller. Uh, look on the screen to follow along. Uh, the thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel-humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. That's a classic. It's thinking of myself less. Gospel humility is not needing to think about myself. This is from Tim Keller and the freedom of self-forgetfulness. And I think it just sums up the essence of who we want to be as Christ followers. That's how we want to be received by the communities that we're in, by our neighbors and by the people that are around us, that they would be surprised about how we're totally interested in them. Have you guys ever faked an interest in what people are passionate about? Like, I don't know, like, oh, I'm passionate about... Formula One, yeah, I can talk a little bit, I guess, you know, whatever. But you kind of, you make a conversation with somebody else because it's not about us, it's about getting other people interested and then from there having influence to share the gospel with people. But the first point we're going to talk about today is living missionally is not about me. Living missionally is not about me. And we're going to look through the first few verses here in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. 
Though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. It's not about me. And I think for me, as I was thinking about that, I couldn't really find a better example, but it's almost as though if I'm at the Dream Center and I get to kind of make decisions there, if I would start saying from here on out, we're going to start every program off with the pledge to the German flag. And we're only going to re- preach the gospel in the Martin Luther German version. And I would be up there on stage reading the German Bible to the kids, and they would all look confused at me, and they had no clue what's going on. Or do I realize it's not about me and how I grew up and what I want to do or what I see fit best and realize, okay, who am I talking to? If I want to reach people here in the United States, I should probably start talking English, right? That would probably be a good start. I should probably start realizing who I'm with, and it's not about me, but it's about the person that I'm trying to reach for the gospel. If we want to reach others, we've got to realize that it's not about us, and we will have to lay things down. So we know we, we know we all grew up with certain cultural things that were given to us, theological things that we grew up with, things that kind of formed us into who we are. But if we really want to be gospel-like and like Paul in this situation, we're about to unpack this, we have to realize that I have to lay things down in order to be able to present the gospel to somebody else. That I don't have to die on my hill or whatever the saying is for certain things, but I can actually come down from my hill and meet somebody and share the gospel with them because it's not about us. And you might not be right, and they might, the other person might win, you know, if you want to look at it like that. But in the end, you get to present the gospel because it's not about us. It's about the gospel being spread. Let's dive deeper in the verse. In, in verse 19, and before that, the whole chapter is basically Paul arguing his case to the church. And he's repeatedly showing us that he has been laying down things just so he might save some. So Paul's not just talking to talk, he's walking to walk. He's been doing this. He's not just giving us a, a hypothetical thing we should be doing, but we actually can model it after him because he's been doing this the whole time. He's laying down his fun, financial rights. The verse before, he's talking about how he'd never taken a pay cut just so that nobody would say, well, you're just doing this because you're getting money. He was, he's laying down his religious rights because of the, he's trying to reach the Jews who he was under the law, but he's also reaching the ones that are not Jewish, so the Gentiles as well. He's laying down his cultural rights, and he's doing all that just to save some, just to save one, maybe even. And he would do it for one. That is called a sacrificial leadership, but it always comes with a cost. There's a personal cost that was taxed for Paul. And it, I know we all know that scripture where he lists the things that it cost him of what he was doing, right? He got shipwrecked and bitten by a snail, uh, but not by snails. <laughs> Those snails, oh. <laughs> no. Y'all know the snakes. Y'all have those snakes here. These crazy snails. Uh, Right? There is a lot of cost involved. He, had, he went through a lot of things, and his main goal was always to see the gospel be spread further, to reach another person who might win one more soul to the kingdom. And uh, the cost is easy to pay if we have a reward on the other end of those sacrifices. So if we know if I just, I don't know, not eat anything for three weeks, I can look like thinner, that cost is easier to pay because you know what's coming on the other end. But what Paul's even saying is this beyond that. It's paying the cost without even knowing the rewards that's coming. Because it's easy if we, it's like an exchange. If you tell me you'll give me something and I have to make a sacrifice for it, that's an exchange like that's on an equal level. But what Paul's talking about is to really making himself a slave to people he's not indebted to. That's another level, right? That's not just saying, well, I'll trade you this for the gospel. That's saying, 
even if you don't give me anything, if you, don't, uh, if you treat me with disrespect or you don't listen to me and all this stuff, I will still enslave myself to you just so you might hear the gospel today. But the problem is we are already having a hard time to serving the people that we should. So let's not even go there. You just start with what we should do, right? Our spouses. That's already hard enough. Taking the trash out consistently, you know, doing what we got to do, doing the dishes, all this stuff. With our kids, loving them the way they need to. Riley always wants to play. That's my daughter, the three-year-old daughter. She always wants to have quality time and play castles in the room right now. But I want to watch March Madness right now, <laughs> right? Well, let's talk about seriously. That, that's a cost, right? So if I choose to hang out with my daughter, that's a cost that comes with it. I know that sounds silly, but that's, that's an every big thing that we do. We always have a cost attached to what we're doing. But even that's hard for us sometimes. But Paul is taking it to another level. He's reaching out to people that are hard to reach. It's costly. And he's serving them as if they're paying a salary. That's how devoted he is to them. What a challenge. And this is the example of Jesus. That's why he's Paul's doing. Paul doesn't come up with this. This is actually Jesus' model for us. Jesus came uh, to, to serve those he's going to save. He came as the king, as a baby in a manger, to serve others, to have servant leadership. And he washed the feet of those whose debt he would pay. That's the reverse way of how the gospel works. This is what we're talking about today. But think about that. We even struggle to serve people to pay our salaries. Right? If you look at your, think of your boss and your boss asks you to do something, we're like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's the person that's literally paying you to, <laughs> to, like, to do what you got to do. But now Jesus is saying, serve those who not even pay you. They have nothing for you. You cannot gain anything from that person. Serve those as well because they can get from you everything. They can get the, the gospel. The immeasurable riches of the gospel is what you can bring to them. And that's why we're doing it. Not to get a payback or anything back from people. Paul not only serves them, but he lays aside his entire mode of being in order to reach them. That's the essence of it's not about me. Paul not only serves them, but he lays aside his entire mode of being in order to reach them. Let's go to point two. Living missionally requires me to change. Who's ready to change? Nobody. <laughs> uh, let's, let, let's unpack this and see, and see what we're looking at here. Um, I want to read with you guys together. We're starting at 20 right now. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, even though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. And now here's a big uh, bracket or whatever it's called. Though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. That's important to remember because we like to forget about that. Sometimes we're like, oh, I can do anything. Like, I'm just hanging out with the, the worst people and I'm talking like them and becoming like them. That's not what we're talking about. But you're still under the law of Jesus, right? So don't forget that little bracket right here as we're talking about these changes. So as, and he's doing all this, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I, might share, that I may share in its blessings. Growing up, uh, my parents had some great rules. Um, I didn't think that back then. <laughs> back then, they're actually pretty bad. But looking back at it now, they're actually pretty, pretty interesting and pretty good. And uh, I'll share some of those uh, at my uh, German sensational parenting class uh, that we offered at some point. Um, but th this rule I want to talk about is that if I wanted to watch a movie, 
my parents made me read the book first. So if I wanted to watch what I was want to do, I wanted to watch Lord of the Rings. All my friends were talking about it. It just came out, or I don't know how old when it came out or how old I was, but I wanted to watch it. My friends got to watch it immediately, and I had to read the trilogy first. So not just that I had to read the first book for the first book, I had to read the first book. But even worse, my parents took it to another level, and they zoomed out, and oh, there's The Hobbit, too. You've got to read The Hobbit first, then the trilogy, and then you can watch the movie. Anybody else have weird rules growing up? I would like to hear them ask the service. Just find me. I, I, um, so I had to read The Hobbit, and you know, in The Hobbit, it's kind of setting up these hobbits, and Bilbo was one of those hobbits, and what I realized is hobbits are basically short Germans, okay? <laughs> so just, just listen to what the, the hobbits, they, we hate, they hate adventure, they hate change, they love their routines, they, they, they love to drink a lot of beer too, like it's, it's, it's all the similarities, it's literally like we're, hobbits are short Germans, and uh, one of these short Germans, uh, Bilbo, he was basically confronted with a with an opportunity to make a bigger impact than what he's used to. And in order for that to happen, for him to go on this uh, crazy journey to help the dwarves get their mountains back, he had to change of who he was and who he always saw around him. But not only that, he also had to realize that with that change, his family's going to look at him weird. He, he's going to lose some family ties. His reputation is going get to a, get a hit. He was literally was outcasted afterwards because he was different and he made a change uh, for others. But he was able to help the dwarves get their mountain back. And I think for us, as we lay down our preferences, we help others receive their inheritance. As we lay down our preferences, we help others receive their inheritance. So why was Paul willing to change himself? He's laying down his religious heritage. He's laying down his cultural heritage. All of that because he loves people and he wants, to know, wants them to know Jesus. And I think when we get a revelation of God's grace, concern for our neighbor is a natural response. That should be natural for us. If we really get a revelation of God's grace for us, it should automatically make a concern for us, for our neighbor, grow in a way that's never there before. Like, we should be walking around concerned for our neighbors because of the grace that we've experienced. Now, Paul, is, uh, Paul shares that he reached out to all kinds of people. So we see that in the text before, right? He's, he's reaching out to people that are Jewish. He's reaching to people that don't have the Jewish law. He's reaching out to people that are more weaker in the, in the social structure. He's, re- he's reaching out to people in the, like, he's debating the high Greek uh, philosophers. Like, he's reaching out to all kinds of people. And I want to read a a quote from Clark here. Let those who plead for the system of accommodation on the example of St. Paul attend to the end he had in view, attend to the end he had in view, and the manner in which he pursued that end. It was not to get money, influence, or honor, but to save souls. It was not to get ease, but to increase his labors. It was not to save his life, but rather that it should be a sacrifice for the good of immortal souls. I think change is hard for us because we don't have sometimes the perspective of why are we changing for. And I think if we remember that we're not doing this to get more money, we're not doing this for anything else, but for souls, it changes how we can change. Like we often change our whole appearance for likes on social media. We have filters and we look, we, you know, we edit pictures. Sometimes we change our sense of humor if we talk to the boss to get the next promotion. Like, oh, that was a little funny joke, you know, like promote me, please. Like we change how we act at work, we change how we act on social media, but I wonder, are we willing to change for the sake of immoral souls? 
not for self-recognition or more likes or the next promotion or more money, but to, for souls to be saved, are we willing to lay down our preferences, our rights, and change? Living missionally is not about me. Living missionally requires me to change. Point number three, living missionally holds the promise of an eternal crown. The promise of the eternal crown. This is my favorite. It's going to be my longest point. Sorry. I got really excited when we were prepping this, and uh, I think we're going to be here for a second. But it's the last one, so that's good to know, too. All right. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Next verse. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get the crown that will not last but we do it to get the crown that will last forever. I want to get really practical with you guys here, so we're going to go through verse by verse real quick and dive deep, and I'll give you guys some practical advice of what's worked for me in the past, and you can take it or leave it, um, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. <laughs> so, um, but like I said, we've got to have the end in mind, and for us, it's not just a, um, a crown here on earth or a, a status or reputation or more money here, but it should be the eternal crown that we're getting when we, when we die and we pass on to heaven and there's a crown waiting for us if we do this thing right. And uh, it's our why of why we, talk, why we do what we do. For me, um, I had uh, Aunt Renee's little girl uh, in New York City when I first got to in the Bronx River housing apartments and she was like seven she always used to come out to the truck, and we'd you know, have the Bible lessons. She would pray, and she was so much fun. And uh, one day, I, I wanted to visit her because we would ha- do house visits, and I would go to the, to the, to the Bronx Projects. I'd go up to the 17th floor, walk to her door, and I would actually find out that little Anthony girl had passed away. She had an asthma attack, and the ambulance couldn't make it to her in time, and the family was devastated, and I was able to grieve with the family, be there for them, and this older sister. And uh, a few days later... Uh, the mom actually found me out in the street and gave me a little picture, which I carry around with me every day in my wallet. This is right, right, her right here. Uh, in 2014 was this picture taken. And um, for me, this is a reminder of the end in mind. Like, this is why I do what I'm doing, because I don't, we don't know how long we have left. We don't know, you know when we get called up, but I want to know that I did everything that I can to share the gospel, to help the next person to know who Jesus is, and with her, I know, I saw her like five days before she passed. She was praying like the prayer of salvation, and she's, going to, she's in heaven, and she's good. And, you know, we had to go through temporary pain here on earth, but I know she's good. But this is my why, and this is a reminder for me of why I do what I do. And I think the practical advice I want to give you guys, and this is something that's not for me, this is from the Bible. God made uh, the people of Israel put up altars of remembrance along the way. For me, this is a physical altar of remembrance of why I do what I do. And I want to challenge you guys. And what what used to do is God would challenge the people to put some stones together. And every time they would walk by it, they would tell the story to the kids and say, hey, this is where God led us through the, through the river. Or, hey, this is where God did this. And I think what I want to challenge you guys, set up physical altars of remembrance in your life. God's done something in your life. He's, he's, he's got you where you're from. He's got you here. Maybe it's a picture of where you used to be. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know, like a situation that he got you out of. Figure out a way to make that physical in front of you. Maybe put it on a mirror that you see every day. Maybe put it in a car so you're daily reminded of God's promise, but also of why we do what we do. It's not for us. It's to give it to the next person. So I want to give you that little spiritual practice advice. That, that, and this, this is a spiritual practice that can help you hold on to the eternal promise. Because, again, we got to keep the end in mind for us to know why we're doing this. 
Verse uh, 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? That's pretty straightforward, technically, right? Um, but so he's talking to the church of Corinth, and Corinth was actually the host city of the Ishmian Games, which happened about every two years. It was kind of like the Olympic Games, and they happened every two years, and it was in Corinth. So all the people that were getting this letter, they knew exactly what he was talking about here, because people would come from, the, from the, all the country and go to the games and try to compete for the crown they would get. And then every Greek city lives like four big games. They would give the winners like a crown made out of like a local flower. And everybody would know, okay, they're getting the flower because they won. They did a good job. Now, one side point here is Paul is changing the way he talks and relates the gospel according to who he's talking to. So our second point, he's literally doing it right now. He's changing it to present the gospel to the Corinthians because they would know how to re relate to that. So that's an evidence of how he's changing in order to get the gospel across to the people he was talking to. Now, most cities, they also would sweeten the deal. And this is, I thought it was interesting. I never knew this, that they would get the crown. They would get some money. They would get special, special privileges like free food in the city for the rest of their lives and tax breaks. Who's down for that? I'm, I feel like we should bring that back, and I would love to compete on that because if some free food and no taxes, that sounds pretty good, right? But we all know that flowers... Fame and even tax breaks, even though we like them, they don't last. They don't last. They didn't last back then. They don't last right now. The next part, run in such a way as to get the prize. This is Paul's comparing the way we pursue God and live our lives that we always need to remember the eternal crown. Just like the runners, they're looking at that flower crown. I want to get that prize. I'm coming to the game, so I want to win this prize. This is how we need to pursue God in our lives for the eternal crown. Next, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. I wanna talk about the training here. Training is not just a training. It's actually, when you look at the little deeper into the word, it's talking about exercises, self-control, and all things. So these athletes back then, they would actually they would have dietary restrictions. They would go into a 10-month training period for these uh, games that they would attend, and they would submit themselves to a coach, and normally this coach was custom that it was somebody who was previous a champion at the games. They knew how to win, and they would have a workout routine. They would have a four-day cycle of working out, doing this workout, eating this for this time. They would literally have self-control in all areas of their lives just to win that flower crown. Now, the practical advice for us here is, who is your mentor, who is the coach in the area of living missionally and running your race strong? We all have financial guys and workout buddies or a yard guy, but who is your, like, finishing the race strong guy? Who is your, I'm living strong missionally for years guy? And find that person, and it's the practical advice that I think is on the paper too, like who can I seek out and kind of get some advice from again? Because whatever we prioritize, we're going to see happen. If we have the financial guys, we'll probably have financial success. But if we want to have, have success in living well, living missionally, and finishing the race strong, I'd love for you guys to see if you can find a mentor that I can reach out to and submit to their authority like the, like the runners would back then. We have great goals and determination when it comes to our workout habits or sports team and things that we're passionate about, but let's put that same energy towards finishing the race strong. God is looking for runners that will finish their race. 
Here's the, the last quote, and then we're going to wrap up. Is from David Guzik. An athlete must refuse things that may be fine in themselves, but will hinder the pursuit of his goal. Even so, the Corinthians must refuse things that are fine in themselves, because having them may hinder the pursuit of the important goal, an imperishable crown, a heavenly reward that will never pass away. And I think that just makes me think of Jesus, right? Jesus finished his race. He knew his heavenly reward. He modeled for us to focus on what's really important, the eternal part. He had a way out of all he had to do and be just, you know, don't go through with it. But he chose to focus on the eternal reward for the eternal goal. And Jesus, he was part of the greatest missional outreach ever. God reaching out to humanity, becoming human in an effort to save some. Knowing that some will turn away from him, he became less to bridge us back to God. Even though he could have appeared as a ready-to-go king, he came as a newborn playing the long game. And what we value is our prime in his 20s. He stayed humble and consistent, and he knew that his moment would come. And when he was arrested, tortured, and hung on the cross for us, his outreach was complete. He took our sins and bore them so that we might be saved. He rose again and sent us the Holy Spirit so we would become more and more like him every day. And we're further the kingdom by reaching out to our neighbors so that they themselves might be saved through us as a vehicle to bring the gospel to the people. And he did it for you and for me, for all of us. And some of you guys might be hearing this for the first time. And after this, in this response time, if you want to accept him as your Savior, we want to love to pray for you in response time and walk this out with you later on during the weeks to come. But for those of us who consider ourselves Christians and want to mature more and more, we have to understand that we are called to live a mission alive and to reach out to our neighbors and coworkers and old buddies and to whomsoever you might cross paths with. It's part of who we are. It's part of who Jesus is. Jesus' whole life is reaching out to others. If we want to be more like him, we will automatically start living missionally. And when we do so at the end of our time here on earth, when we get to heaven and receive a crown, they will be eternal. We're about to come into response time, and I want to ask you the two questions we always ask you. God, what are you saying to me? What's God speaking to you right now? Maybe it's about remembering that it's not about us. Maybe it's about changing in an area to be able to, to, to uh, present the gospel to somebody that you know. Maybe it's just to remember the focus, the why. To remember the eternal uh, crown that we're going for. And as we respond, we have four ways you can respond. We're gonna have, you can light a candle in the corner. It's just a symbol of bringing a light in somebody's life that doesn't have the light right now. If you're praying for somebody, go back, they light a candle for them. It doesn't do anything, but it reminds you to pray, and it's a symbol for the light coming into the dark world at some point. Take communion. We're going to skip that part, I think. We're about to do communion together. So um, we're going to, after this, we're going to have some communion time together. So don't do that right now. The next one's prayer in the back. We'll have some pastors and leaders in the back that you, uh, you can come for prayer for, and you can leave a prayer at the cross. And then we're going to sing one song, and we're going to do communion all together. So that's going to be a good time. Uh, but I want to leave you guys with one more. As the worship team can come up and take, take their spots, I want to leave you all with 2 Timothy 4. 
I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into the myth. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of the evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Dear God, we thank you so much for this time. We ask that you help us to, to remember the eternal crown that you have for us and everything that we do, that we hold on to what you have for us. And I pray right now that you speak to us in this response time of what you have us doing. Remind us of a person. Remind us of something that you have us do. Challenge us in a way that will change us and not just listening to it. I pray right now that you remind us that you are with us, that you are for us, and that at the end of this race, you'll be waiting for us with open arms to come home to you and to be awarded a crown that will last forever. And right now, help us to focus on the things that are eternal and not get all distracted by what's here on earth. We thank you what you have done in us, of what you've brought us from, and help us to invite the next person on the journey. We pray right now that you just be with us and change us every day to be more and more like you. Amen. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review. Things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.